Some claim that the age of a true gentleman is far behind us, but here at 284 Media, we disagree. He may appear in different guises today, but the values and ideals that make him a gent still stand. Gentlemen, aspiring gentlemen, and of course, our partners that hold us down. I'm Ron Grant. Welcome to Season 2 of The Art of a Distinguished Gentleman, a show poised to help guide modern-day men into 21st century distinguished gentlemen. Now, please, don't worry. It's not always about suits and bow ties, but real raw conversations that translate to grounded, community-minded, well-rounded men. Thank you all for taking this journey with me. Inspiration and motivation comes in different forms with so much going on around us. It's refreshing to come across young men of quality. My next guest today is a son of the soil. He's humble, disciplined, approachable, caring, and considerate. Now, I can tell you his care goes far beyond his immediate circle, and I'm pretty sure that's why he chose the profession he did. He's super gifted. He spends his days impacting the lives of others through motivation, especially young people. Now, please don't let his caring and considerate spirit fool you. He's also a purple dragon black belt, so he can definitely give you a serious beatdown if he has to. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me is one of my favorite, absolute favorite people, Mr. Javon Klein, by far one of the most incredible human beings to ever walk this earth. And he should, we should be considered, sorry, ourselves very truly blessed to have him. A true 21st century distinguished gentleman. We talk leading the youth, the discipline of Purple Dragon, the art of worship, counseling, and mental health for men. It's a conversation you don't want to miss. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. You're watching The Art of a Distinguished Gentleman. Let's go. Brilliant Hands and Minds Tutoring Services. One-on-one tutorials in math and English. Intense homework assistance. Academic enrichment projects. Effective communication and public speaking development. Sign language for adults and children on Saturdays only. Registered with the Virgin Islands High School Certificate Program. Brilliant Hands and Minds can help you too. Offering intense curriculum-based training to help you or your loved ones get their high school diploma. It's time to make your family's education a number one priority. Hurry, space is limited. Brilliant Hands and Minds Learning Center. We are the trained education professionals. Viewers, welcome back. You're watching The Art of a Distinguished Gentleman. I'm your host, Ron Grant. Javon Klein, welcome, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the thank opportunity to speak me. with us. Cheers. Now, in the intro, I mentioned that you are absolutely one of my favorite people. Yeah. That, that, is, that is the utmost, with the utmost of sincerity, because you mm. have one of the most caring and considerate spirits I've ever come across. Mm. And that spirit not only echoes to your immediate circle, but everyone around you. And I've experienced that myself. Yeah. You're also a PK, <laughs> pastor's kid, right? Yes. So before we get into the interview, <laughs> there are a lot of myths about PKs. Some people call them gangsters, they're rebel, they're always in trouble. Let's, let's talk about, let's get that out of the way. Let's get um, it out being, of the way. Being a, a PK. Well, is that true? What is that like? I can't, I can't speak for everybody, okay. of course. For myself, I had I had a phase. <laughs> I had a phase, a real phase. But you see, the thing about me, I knew how to move. Mm. So people would never, unless you were unless you were in my circle or mm. unless you were friends with me, like while I was in high school or community college, you wouldn't know how I was. Good, good. <laughs> you yeah, know, we have, we have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was I was smart about how I would move. Good. So yeah, no, there was a real period where. 
I didn't care about religious conversation. You know, mm-hmm. if there was a religious topic happening, mm-hmm. count me out. I was the leader of my crew when it comes to planning what we're going to do. Um, you know, I started drinking when I was 12, okay. 12 years old, something like that. And yeah, once I, once I started, it was, it was good for me. <laughs> and I continue going like that. But yeah, I used to gather up my friends. We used to have something we used to call pack nights. I won't tell you how old okay. we were. <laughs> but um, yeah, somehow we used to, we used to be able to get bottles of oh. alcohol because we figured out from a, from a, from a certain age, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> we figured out that, you know, buying bottles is cheaper than trying to buy drinks. Of course. You get a bottle and then, you know, you just shut up. <laughs> so we used to have some called pack nights where we would just go get some bottles somehow mm-hmm. and sit down in the, the, the pack and just drink and talk and, you know, okay. so on and so forth. Don't ask me how we used to get home. I'm mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. always so I don't know how we always used Honest, to get home. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know. But yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. I am not the worst. And I would always tell people among my group of friends, at least group of friends who I grew up with, you probably consider me the, the, the nicer one of mm-hmm, the group. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about the group I grew up with in King Adam, yeah, especially not necessarily my school group. Okay. But yeah, I was, I wasn't the most, I was a cold guy, especially in high school because of the people that or around me who I felt I needed to look up to or depend on. I didn't feel like I could depend on them. And there, were a lot, there was a lot of hurt and stuff going on around me. Parents divorced, mm-hmm. you know, stuff going on like that. Church people being church mm-hmm. people. Community, you know, people don't like my father and have their opinion about my mother, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I made a decision to just cut off all of that emotion because I said, I don't want anyone to ever worry about me. I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, what was he? And, yeah, you know, yeah. so I always made sure I always smiled. I always laughed and I was always good. What I didn't realize is that I was cutting off a real chunk of my emotions to have me actually wow. care about people. Wow. So I went through a lot of, I went through all of high school and some of college just really not caring, mm-hmm. doing what I want when it comes to people's Emotions and feelings, um, backstabbing friends. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea why I still have the friends I have because I, I, you know, I was that guy who I would give you some good advice when we sit down. But the moment we get in class, I would, now we call it bullying. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I would, I would bully you. Wow. Bad, you know, pick out the, the small thing about you and just make it everything. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the, that was the, the rebel side of it for me. Okay. I didn't, I didn't give trouble at home necessarily, okay. or, you know, I didn't even have anyone coming to the police station for me, but I was just doing my own thing. Okay. Yeah. We could, we could, I mean, yeah, if you yeah. have, if you want to go you, on and you, on, I could you, go on you, and you on. You spoke but. about some, you touched on some very personal and details that would have led you that level or that type of rebellion. But let's go back there for a second, because. What I think a lot of persons in our territory don't understand when it comes to whether it's public office, but being in the public eye Mm -hmm. in any fashion, whether you're a preacher, minister of government, perhaps even being on television and delivering the news, people don't understand that with that comes the scrutiny of the family. Okay. Um, when, When you think about all that you went through in dealing and maneuvering through the challenges, what would you say really essentially helped you to 
mature and develop and, and, and I guess get over it, if, if, if that's the good term to use. The point where I, where I wanted to actually change was when I had to sit down on the phone and listen to somebody cry mm. about what I did to them. Mm. And that's when I really looked in the mirror. It's like, what, what am I doing? Who am I? Like, what am I really? And that was still, that was still in high school, you know, which is, you know, I didn't turn things around right away, but yeah. it was the first time I really looked at myself and asked, you know, what am I doing? Why am I, you know, how am I this cool? The second thing that really pointed it out to me is when a friend of mine died right in fifth form, you know, a few months, weeks before we were going to graduate. And it, I, I could, I could have gone through that different. Hmm. Not because I didn't care about the person, not because, but that part of me to actually express that was in there, okay. you know? So I could have gone through that day very fine. And I spent most of the day just thinking, why am I not crying? Why, why am I? Because everybody else was, you know, obviously hot. Oh. Uh, this is someone who has been in my home. This is someone who I've laughed with, studied with, you know, gotten help from, you know, a real friend. Mm -hmm. And she died and it didn't hit me. And I was like, I am a monster, mm -hmm. you know? And that went, that went on and on and on and into college. You know, I, I came to points where I used to, I might, one of my prayers was God, let me cry. Mm. Like I, let me cry. I just want to cry. I just, cause it wasn't there. It was not there wow. at all. Yeah. Would you, would you change anything? No, um, you know, in, in, in how you chose to grieve and deal with people and hide your emotions and whether it was dealing with the public's perception of your dad or the separation of your parents or who didn't like your mom, would you change anything? I'm not, I'm not a person who really lives with regret, honestly, but what I would change is how I treated certain people, okay. you know, especially, you know, ex exes and you know stuff like that they didn't deserve that mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. um so that's that's something that that's something that i i if there's anything at all that i would change you know just how i necessarily left people because i can't go back and take away certain scars or you know you know certain things and stuff like that so that, that would probably be the only thing i would change there is a sort of resilience that i do have mm -hmm. because of how i grew up i can sit down and have someone tell me the most outrageous things and take it. You know, I can sit down with my wife and have a conversation about, you know. The tough what, conversations. Yeah, the tough conversations and separate myself as a husband. Or, you know, I, we could have a conversation about, you know, who she thinks is attractive. Mm -hmm. And I could take myself out of that husband role and be her friend, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, yeah. So those, those, those kind of things, I would share the benefits of it. Right? It all comes down to balance. Okay. Yeah. Let's speak to that a little bit because a lot of the, a lot of times young men of our age have a difficult time accepting when there's something not quite right, whether it's as an individual or in a marriage. Uh, you spend a lot of time speaking and interacting with young people as a youth leader and a worship leader as well. And we don't for some reason, mental health is not the conversation we want to have, but particularly as men, it is just literally not talked about. Mm -hmm. Speak to the importance of the man being in the right frame of mind mm. and really addressing any issues that he might be facing. It's actually, the, I would say it's probably the most important thing, especially for men, 
because your 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 mind is your is your your filter of the world. Hmm. Our body takes in a little, a little bit into science. Now. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm a I'm a science buff. So you know your eyes, your your ears, it, it takes in the physical world, and everything is processed through your mind, yes. and that tells you what is your reality. So if your mind is in balance, if your mind isn't well, if you are not in the right place, then your world will be twisted. If you're, if you're walking wrong, scars or sadness or unresolved issues, you'll be living in an unresolved world mm. as an unresolved. And you can only produce what you are. You know, if there's a, if there's a tree with rotten roots, that tree is only going to produce rotten fruits. Yeah. So. For men in society, you know, even I acknowledge the strength of a woman. I acknowledge, you know, the importance that they play. I acknowledge the, 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 the fact that women can lead and should be leading in a lot of situations and, you know, so on and so forth. But men have a natural, have a natural gift for being visionary. So if as a man, you are not well enough to maintain stable vision, you'll either one, carry on or encourage something that's twisted in the world because it's what you believe is right and true, or you'll create more corruption. You know, we, we go out and we create things. We, we determine what the world looks like tomorrow. Absolutely. So if we can't, if we can't get it right here for us, when we touch something, when we speak to something, when we create something, it's going to look twisted. And the horrible thing is, you know, when we create a twisted thing, because we have already settled ourselves with a twisted mind, we're going to see that twisted thing and say, it's good. Mm-hmm. We're going to see that twisted thing and say, it's exactly what it needs to be. Absolutely. Not knowing what yeah, we actually yeah. created. Right. So when everybody else is telling us, hey, you have a problem, hey, this is what's going on, hey, 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 we're going we're gonna to think they have the problem. Yeah, because yeah, you can't see it. You know, you, you can't see what you created, can't see what you're doing, you can't see the heart that you're, that, you're, that you're causing. And that's where, for me, the biggest danger comes in. And that, you know, that creation, that fruit comes in a product of a child, mm-hmm. comes in a product of laws, morals, or society on a whole. It comes in a product of just basic ideas, you know, things like that. You spend your days, I, for lack of a better phrase, allowing others to dump yeah. or share their weaknesses or their, their issues with you. How do you as a, a man separate yourself from the role of a counselor yeah. when you sit with somebody for a session, be it 45 minutes or longer, and they are digesting some very toxic, hurtful, painful realities of their life. How do you separate yourself from that? And, and, and perhaps maybe you don't, but how do you balance digesting that information so that it doesn't affect you as an individual? That, that, that very word you just used, balance, that's, that's, that's definitely the answer right there. As you give time to others, you have to find time for yourself. Hmm. And this admittedly is one thing that I definitely need to work on because you will get lost in the mix of everything that's of happening. You'll, you'll find yourself, whether it's anxious or just sad or just angry, just because of the way 
that's that you feel like it's on your shoulders. You have to help this person and figure this out and then get this thing going and plan for this and all these things that's on your table. You have to find time for yourself. You I, have I, I to appreciate that. Right? You have to isolate. I love being by myself. Mm-hmm. I love being alone. And you know, for all for all the 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 people who are in relationships out there, um, if your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend whatever friend, if they are expressing that they need time by themselves, give them that time. Because when we, when we don't, when we don't get that time, we, we don't get to reconnect. But we're robbing ourselves essentially. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, taking time for myself and I do karate. Yeah, we, don't, we don't get to that. We don't get to that. <laughs> you know, and before we get too deep in it, I'll just to finish answering the questions. The dojo has been a safe haven for me for a long time before I even know it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I go there and every punch, the only thing that exists is that punch. Wow. Every kick, the only thing that exists is that kick. You know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm doing whatever I'm doing, that's the only thing that exists in that moment. So I was able to find something like that for me. That, like, that you like and enjoy. Right. So you have to find something that you can flow in where the wall fades away and you're just there. You're just, you're just there. So speaking of the Dojo Purple Dragon, you're a black belt and yes. you're also a trainer. A lot of people have the misconception it's just about a good ass kicking, right? <laughs> you just don't fight. But there's a discipline to it. Yeah. Tell us um, about that. How did you even get into the Purple Dragon? Okay. I'll start from there. My Well, when I was in first form, my dad asked me if I wanted to join. I said, yeah, um, I want to join. And for me at that point, it was just about, okay, I'm going to learn how to kick and punch mm-hmm. and, you know, go from there. And, you know, there was this aspect of discipline that these people wanted me to yeah, follow. Yeah. Like, if they want me to stand up in a line and not move. They want me to not talk. Like, you know, there was this one guy actually who, you know, I, I love him like a brother now. He is one of my brothers. I call his name Otis Jacob. Hated this guy. <laughs> Hated this guy because he was so serious. Mm-hmm. Why are you so serious? About me being here for one hour, just learn a little kick and punch, mm-hmm. leave me alone. But fast forward to, well, we're coming up to our first grading. Grading is testing that takes place where you are judged to see if you can move on to your okay. next rank or not. There was a sensei, sensei Wendell from Trinidad who came up to help us prepare. And he told us a story about a boy and a butterfly. I won't go through the whole story now. That was the first story I ever heard in Purple Dragon. And that's when I fell in love with the art. Because the moral of the story is your, your struggle makes you strong. Of course. I really want to paraphrase the story so they can understand what go I'm saying. Go ahead. This is the, the paraphrase version is there's a boy who loves butterflies. He's in this garden, his grandfather's garden. He comes across a cocoon. He sees a butterfly struggling out. He decides to open the cocoon for the butterfly. Butterfly, instead of flying away, falls to the ground. He picks mm-hmm. up the butterfly, goes to his grandfather. Grandfather, why is this happening? His grandfather asks him if he opened the cocoon for the butterfly. He says yes. And then his grandfather explains, because you opened the cocoon for the for butterfly, yeah. right? you took away the butterfly's opportunity to strengthen its wings by pushing out of the cocoon by itself. So the wings aren't strong enough to fly. Yes. When I heard that thing, man, I that was one hit like, you. what? <laughs> I said, what in the world is I love. Nice. So ever since that moment, I've been in love with 
the heart of Purple Dragon. And that's something, even though Purple Dragon is a martial arts style that has proven to be very deadly and effective in many ways. Um, I think what separates it in a major way from a lot of these, just other martial arts, because you have all kind of different lot styles of out there. What separates it is the heart that it teaches, the mindset that it teaches. It's irreplaceable. And I would not be who I am right now, how I am, uh, without getting into the dojo. Amazing. Um, staying in the dojo. It's, yeah, that, that mindset. I want to touch, and I have to absolutely touch on the art of worship, mm-hmm. which I think is absolutely imperative to the mind, body, and soul. Born and raised in the church myself, mm-hmm. I know it all too well. And I have persons to this day that would really and truly beg me and, when are you, wait, 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 you don't sing no more. What happened? Like, da 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 da. I know you to be a good right? singer. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not there right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not there. However, your worship is so impactful. Your music is so impactful. Your voice is phenomenal. Mm, Speak it. to the art of worship and what that does to the man. For me, I could describe a release and I'll give you a funny story after. Mm-hmm. But acknowledging the power of God, acknowledging the presence, acknowledging the strength, it's everything in one. Because what you're doing in that moment is reaching for, reaching for an expression that truly goes beyond what can be expressed. And in the process of reaching for that expression, you have no choice but to just go. Because you know in that moment, if I stay where I am, I'm not going to accomplish what I'm trying to do right now. So that moment of release and staying in that flow of release, it is, I mean, it's a reset and it's also a boost. It's calming, it's exhilarating, it's, it's everything in one. And worship without a doubt is one of my favorite things. Um, I can see that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's everything in one, you know. And being a part of that experience, I count it a blessing. Funny thing is, during that, that phase that I was in, you know, not really paying attention mm-hmm. to God and so forth, when my mom would, you know, tell me, listen, you need to be at church, I'm leaving, I want to see you in church. I would tell him all. This at the time, <laughs> Pastor Mel would be at King Academy Baptist Church. He would start preaching at 12. Mm-hmm. I would make sure I walk into the church at 12. Okay. okay. I didn't. Praise and worship wasn't important. Okay. Okay. I don't need to be there for praise and worship. I just need to be there for when he's speaking, you know? So that was my routine. Mm. After going out the night before, come home, you know, I have my time to get myself together in the morning. It takes me like five minutes to walk down the hill or, you know, to get to the church. So leave my house. Mm-hmm. I'm in 50 flight. In time to hear pastor. In time to just walk into the church at 12. And that was good. Uh, and it was until the point where uh, Pastor Mel again said, it wasn't even to me directly because again, I wasn't a prominent youth at right. the church. Right. I was there. I was in youth group or, you know, stuff like that. But he told another youth, uh, uh, he wants the young people to start singing okay. on Sunday. 
So pull together a team. And she came to me. She said, hey, this is what Pastor Mel said he wants. And I said, okay, cool. And that's why I got into it. And of course, you know, it wasn't a fall in love thing at the same time. I'd still go out and drink a lot the night before. There was even one time coming from Caribbean Fest. When I, when I drink alcohol and then I laugh and I, you know, I shout and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. It messes with your vocal. Yeah. It, 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 it's bad. Mm-hmm. So there was one Sunday after, you know, festival where I did all that I could do. <laughs> and then <laughs> I had a solo. Oh on man! Sunday, and I screeched. Don't you just hate that? <laughs> I, and I, I wanna, I wanna make it clear. This was not a, a singing and then crack. I mean, it was not. I'm like. And and they still put you up there. They didn't know. Okay. <laughs> you know. Jeez. They didn't know. But I went up and I, I, I did it and I laughed and I just, I didn't take it seriously at all. But you know, I, I, I. Oh, a lot to Pastor Mel for making okay. that, that call because from there, you know, once I had that moment to say like, who am I? What am I doing? You know, I then approached Honorable Melvin Tomble, who was the leader at that time and the musical director for Joy Praise. I approached him and said, Hey, you know, one Sunday a month really isn't enough for mm-hmm. me. Can I, can I get to sing with Joy Praise? And he said, you know, sure, come. And that's where things started to build up. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. Jovan, I want to thank you so much for your candid honesty and in really sharing and we appreciate it very much. At the end of the day, one of the things that I love is that, and I, and I personally get to take away, but I hope the young men watching get to take away, is that our experiences shape who we are. Oh, yeah. uh, essentially, they help us to become stronger and better, well-rounded men. Nothing happens by incident. All of the experiences that you have shared, I could collectively understand how they are made you and molded you into the very awesome person that you are today. So thank you for your honesty. We appreciate you. Uh, Continue doing amazing things. Continue counseling. Continue worshiping. Continue trying to help the youth. We appreciate you and we wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. Viewers, that's all the time we have.